Today is Friday, April 28th. The title for our devotional is Revelation, Following the Suffering Servant. As I wrote yesterday, these last couple of days in the devotional, we're looking at some of the texts in the New Testament that point to the power and supremacy of Jesus. We'd be fools to attempt to wrestle power away from him for ourselves, or to use power that he has given us for purposes beyond his will, or to attain power in ways apart from him. That's just foolishness. The book of Revelation uh, was written to a group of churches struggling in the battle with sin within and the battle against persecution from the Roman Empire without. John's call to the churches to remain faithful to Jesus, following his way of suffering and trusting in him for his ultimate vindication, even when everything seems hopeless. This is a message that we desperately need today. It's rather a tragedy that Revelation has become simplified and rather distorted into a puzzle to unlock about the end times or a story to incite fear in the hearts of sinners and wayward Christians. It's far better than that. It gives us hope in the midst of our struggle in this world. In Following Jesus, Biblical Reflections on Discipleship, N.T. Wright writes in chapter 6, titled A World Reborn, Revelation, he he, he weaves the Easter theme into Revelation, which is the end of the book of Revelation, right? The, the recreation of uh, the entire earth and the merging of heaven and earth. Anyways, so he writes, Without Easter, the world is trapped between the shoulder shrug of the cynic, the fantasy of the escapist, and the tanks of the tyrant. Without Easter, there is no reason to suppose that good will triumph over evil, that love will win over hatred, that life will win over death. But with Easter, we have hope, because hope depends on love. And love has become human and has died, and is now alive forevermore, and holds the keys to death and Hades. It is because of him that we know, we don't just hope, we know, that God will wipe away all tears from all eyes. And in that knowledge we find ourselves to be Sunday people, called to live in a world of Fridays. In that knowledge we know ourselves to be Easter people, called to minister to a world full of Calvaries. In that knowledge we find that the hand that dries our tears passes the cloth onto us and bids us follow him to go and dry one another's tears. The Lamb calls us to follow him wherever he goes, into the dark places of the world, the dark places of our own hearts, the places where tears blot out the sunlight, the places where tyrants pave the grass with concrete, and he bids us shine his morning light into the darkness and share his ministry of wiping away the tears. As we worship and adore, and follow the Lamb, we join already in the song of Revelation 5, 11 to 14, the song that one day the trees and the mountains and the whales and the waterfalls, the whole world, reborn on Easter morning, will all sing with us. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I read that just to summarize the theme of the book of Revelation and what Revelation is driving at. And I think N.T. Wright says it so well. In John's vision that he documents in the book of Revelation, he first has this vision of Jesus. Revelation 1, 12 to 18. It says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, referring to the seven churches. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. 
When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. He later sees a vision of the throne room in heaven. For sake of time, will only include the worship that John hears. In Revelation 4.8, he hears day and night, the four creatures never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The 24 elders, they lay down their crowns. Nope, they lay down their crowns. In Revelation 4.11, they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then the next chapter, the 24 elders and the four creatures in Revelation 5, 9 through 10 say, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Thousands upon thousands of angels around the throne then say in Revelation 5.12, In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The final coming of God's kingdom is revealed in this apocalyptic scene here in chapter 19. It is depicted as a final battle. I encourage you to watch the first video below. In the devotional page, it's part two of the Bible Project's uh, depiction of Revelation. And you can start at about 8.35 if you don't have time, but see what John is really saying here in this passage. John 19, 11-16 says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Again, I encourage you to watch the Bible Project videos. Uh, One and two will give you the full picture of what John is doing here, and it fits very nicely with our theme for the week of following Jesus, the suffering servant, and not trying to grasp and attain power in and of ourselves.